What's up, guys? Welcome back to the For the Berg podcast. I'm your host, Ron Gaeta. My guest today is the lead singer of The Spill Canvas, Nick Thomas. Nick breaks down every Spill Canvas album, giving us his favorite tracks off of each record. He talks about Pittsburgh, Mr. Smalls, he gives us a daily jag-off, and ladies, you're not going to want to miss his pre-show ritual, so enjoy, guys. Nope. Mr. Pop. Nick, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing very well. How are you? Awesome. Good. You finding ways to stay busy during the quarantine here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dude. Like, I've, I, I mean, no, yes and no. Like, <laughs> I for sure have watched so much more TV and, like, movies and streaming stuff than I ever thought I could. I, like, I'm to where I'm, like, running, I'm all out of, of content. And so, like, um, you know, once I get bored with, like, finishing a show or a season, I get the itch to come into my studio here, which is, like, um, it's just, it's, like, the, it was the garage um, that they enclosed and put, it like, AC in it and separate power. So it's, like, this... And it's like acoustically kind of kind of cool for uh, recording and like home studio stuff. So I'll like come in here and just I've been I was like we were talking about before uh, we started, um, you know, since this new year, like the new year began, I've I've like dove into learning, like building up my home studio setup to like be able to record not only just good demos, but possibly album you know worthy uh tracks um and it's a lot to learn like i've i've made like a ton of whatever not a ton but i've made a lot of records and recorded a lot of music and i've never i've never like i would sit and watch the producers and like i I wouldn't but i was a young dumb kid that was just like i can't believe this is like what i get to do right now so I was I wasn't paying attention as much to the technical side of what was going on, like the engineering and stuff. And now that I'm older and you know things are not as certain as they you know once were when I was younger. Like I I think um, I, I needed to like learn my trade or whatever you know and do like as much research and and just practice into the field of like being able to record myself because i want to be able to like be a songwriter if the band ever like you know is done or whatever and and i don't want to be on the road anymore or something you know like i would love to write songs for people and you know yeah so that's awesome that's what I've been uh, filling my days with. If it's not sleep or TV, right? <laughs> uh, can we just get into your early musical influences? When you decided you wanted to play music for a living, or when you actually knew that that was a legit possibility? Sure. Um, <clears throat> like, so for my musical influences, um, you know, it's 
it's crazy. They're so broad um, in the sense that, like, I, I grew up, I think, like, I mean, there's so many points along my musical journey in which I identify as, like, important or um, as, like, defining characteristics of my love of music. But, like, it would... It was like the Weezer's Blue album was like had just come out on, and I I got it on a cassette tape and I like played it in my Walkman like until it warbled, you know, like I, I was like, this is so good. And then I bought it again because it was like my other one was fucked up. And <laughs> and then, you know, that was a, a little chrysalis of a moment in which I was like. I like, I'm obsessed with this band. Like I'm obsessed with this music. I'm not as big a fan, obviously, um, not obviously, but as most Weezer fans are, they're, you're a Weezer fan of like the first two albums, you know? Right. And the the rest is like totally commendable. And like, he's like a beast of a writer, but um, those two were just like, so the first two Weezer albums were so good. But then, you know, uh, it also moved on from there to like, I've, I stumbled into like the get up kids, like early get up kids, um, the four minute mile and, and the Woodson EP, like these early pioneers of, I, I guess what you would call emo, I suppose, mm-hmm. um, the promise ring and stuff like that. And, uh, and I kind of got into that and then, but then, uh, saves the day came along and in, in, in my world and, uh, stay what you are came out there their second record i think um no third record man uh that record changed everything i I think for me um just absolutely i don't know it molded the like the styling of of kind of crazy imagery um in lyrical content that i that i i don't like try to emulate but that i took as like that's so cool I want to do my own version of that. Like um, I did, I took that from saves the days, like lyrics and, and how he's able to write just um, his lyrics are just like, they can be so simple and so abstract at the same time. And I just, I love that. But yeah, I mean, and now I first see I rambled too long and I forgot what the, what the <laughs> no, question. <laughs> the, uh, the, the other part was um, just when you realize that um, doing this for a living actually could be a possibility. Sure. Yeah, that's right. Um, like, I mean, it was probably so. Like, I told my um, the, the spill canvas was technically um, uh, it started in in my senior year of high school. It was just me on an acoustic, but I didn't want to play under my name anymore. I had, like, I felt like if you did that, you had to like be good. If you're like like John Mayer, like right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he can like go play under your name. You, you're, you're incredible. Like it's, but I was just like, I don't, I don't like that. It's not my thing. Um, so I want to do like, just give it a band name um, and try to have other members join at the time. Um, not really, I haven't really said this that much in interviews or anything, but like the original lineup of the spill canvas was, was me on an acoustic and singing and uh, a girl named Hannah playing violin and singing a girl named Becca singing and playing like the xylophone maybe. <laughs> and then 
uh, a buddy of mine, Alan, playing bass, and it was like we would just play the coffee house, basically, like this local coffee house in South Dakota. Um, and, you know, I kind of had the first inklings of like, this is what I do. Like, I don't think I considered it like a, being able to make a living from it, but, you know, I was like, this, this feels good. Like, wow, there's like 15 kids here. And granted, I all know them from the coffee shop, you know, that, that they're, <laughs> that they're coming to, but they paid the like three buck, cover to like come watch me play these songs and like fuck around and be awkward in front of people because i you know I w- i'd never performed really eh, that that hasn't changed i guess <laughs> but but uh it was really you know just i think dur- during those early coffee house days and stuff um i i was like this is something i really love and like need in my life and i I'm, I'm obsessed with it i'm obsessed with other people's music i'm obsessed with writing music with playing the music i write and i had a drive that i didn't have towards anything else you know maybe i i, I was kind of into like i wanted to be a writer uh like an actual like short story writer for mm. a brief moment in time there um but i just kind of translated that into like, well, I can just write lyrics and that'll be, you know, that'll suffice um, to feed that part of, of my creative brain. And yeah, man, I think after high school, I took a year off and like booked, <laughs> I booked uh, like six to seven, like just random bar gigs. And this was before, I mean, we had cell phones, but this is like when you had to use the like MapQuest directions or get good at reading an atlas you know no gps on those no dude no way snake yeah snake snake was good yeah i my girl my high school girlfriend at the time i i had convinced her mom to let her come with me as my merch girl and like nice (laughs) so i had a minivan and just us and we Dude, I, I played to like, I guess there's there's one show I played like somehow I got on um, as like uh, the opening act for this just total hardcore like grindcore show. And I was like, oh, this is awful. But that was the most amount of people on that little jaunt, I guess, my first tour technically that I, I was like, this is I was so nervous and they fucking hated me, <laughs> but cause it was just me and acoustic at the time. And like, I was like, whatever. I mean, this is awesome still, you yeah, know, this sure. is so like, I'm getting to do this. And I played to a sound guy and like one guy drinking at the bar mm-hmm. for like an hour in Santa Monica once. And like, but I, I, you know, I was so, I was still like, this is fucking awesome. You know, this oh, yeah. is so cool. Obviously, you know, if I were to do that now, I'd feel a little bummed, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, like it, it was after each year, basically to get to, to answer your question each year after high school, um, I, I, I said, I'm going to take a year off before I go to college. Obviously in my, the back of my head, I didn't want to go to college. I, if I did go, I wanted to go to like a music technical school of some kind, but I, I just wanted a year to see if it would get, if it, if it could, you know, grow into something bigger to like devote another year to. And so, and it did. And like, 
I don't remember precisely like at what point, but like it was about a year. And then I got this call from this dude um, named his name is Brad, Brad Fischetti. And he uh, he was like, hey, I live in Orlando, Florida, and I um, I love your music. He like heard me on MP3.com, I think which is used to be a site where you would listen to music. Mm-hmm. Um, and I put, I had a version of the tide up there, I think. And uh, he's like, I love your stuff. Like I would love to, for you to come down here and like talk. Uh, I'm starting a label. And I was like, no way. Like <laughs> even, even if this guy was like totally full of shit, like it was, I was 19. I was like, this is amazing. You know, oh, yeah. so I was like, this is amazing. And so, um, but it, so it turns out Brad Fischetti, um, he's, he's a great dude. I still talk to him today. He, uh, he was one of three in the boy band LFO. Okay. I like girls that wear yeah, Abercrombie. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and like, that was also just crazy. I was like, you're, you're who? Like, why are you, what are you doing? He, he had really good taste in music. He had, he signed some really cool bands and like, so I flew down to Orlando, which is oddly enough where I live now um, with my wife, Sarah. And yeah, we, you know, we talked and he was like, let's do it. Let's put out a record. And uh, the label was called 111. And then from then on it, like each following like year or album, um, each cycle of touring and new music was exponentially better. And we had grown this fan base by like, uh, boots on the ground like touring you know because social media wasn't a thing at this time so like it was like you gotta make a good impression at that show in montclair new jersey because those 10 people are gonna tell their friends and then next time you know you come around it's it's just it was so much different but it was not that long ago and it's just it's so it baffles me that that's how it was because you know nowadays like i don't know how people learned about these shows that we were playing like <laughs> i mean there's the internet still but it you right, know it, it wasn't yeah it it wasn't like it, it wasn't as easy as as it is now to find these things out but yeah um long ramble you know, long story short but uh you know i it was just i felt so lucky that we each year the band like it became a band as well like from just solo act with a bunch of friends recording with me to like i want this to be a, a full rock band you know and yeah. and uh so i it, it became that and found some members and you know it just progressed like from there and it was each year was like a dream i mean it's still surreal even though you know the current circumstances that we're in um i mean they're they're we're in a good spot now finally with uh, this new album but you know it took a long time to get to this point and it's just i just feel fortunate you know i think right. that's that's the main like takeaway is like i really get to do this i mean even if 30 people or 300 3000 people or three people like it and connect with it like that's that's all that's that's the most amazing thing man you know 
Hell yeah. There's something I did with a couple of the guys. Um, sure. Eddie from Taking Back Sunday and Shane from Silverstein. We did, oh, like, I did little... his. I did his. Just uh, I did his podcast the other. Shane's like, the yeah. Singer syndrome. Yeah. Yeah, I rambled. Oh, it was bad. I got on a tear and like. I talked about I talked about how like I like an addict in recovery and like it was just I felt like I got too dark way too quick. <laughs> but he was he was really sweet. He was yeah, he was he was real cool on the on mine too. But um something awesome. I did with with uh, him and Eddie we did a just like a little album run through. Uh, okay. Just like a little story about each um each record maybe just like the recording process or maybe just what was going on at that time and then just uh, pick one song from each album that is your personal favorite start here with um go for the jugular first oh my god you're going for the like you're going deep starting wow. at the beginning man <laughs> dude the, res- the the research game's on point okay that's, that's not even on spotify bro <laughs> no that's nowhere so like that was a demo of like i don't know seven or eight songs or something i can't remember um that i I burned a bunch of copies of them and like hand packed these little like um, CDs or whatever. And they cont- it, it contained a m- good majority of it was songs that um, first songs I ever really recorded as the Spill Canvas. Uh, the first time I worked with this local engineer in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, where I w- was where I lived, um, named Mike Dresch, and he became uh, a very close ally and like friend and and has recorded uh he ended up recording sunsets and car crashes as well as gestalt um our latest one a while back but uh yeah so go for the jugular i have i don't even remember what's on it i know there's a few songs that are like um there's there were a few that were used on the, the next album, right? Yes, yes. There, there's a majority of, I think a majority of them, maybe not a majority, but close to a majority of them were used on Sunsets and Car Crashes, the the actual album, which was uh, released on uh, Brad's like, 111 Records. But like, yeah, they were, you know, it, it was just, I had some, I was able to, I had some money and it, his rate was cheap, uh, the local engineer dude, and I was like, cool like let's do it you know and so um yeah i remember those those little cds too they were in like the thin cases yeah oh my gosh it was yeah yeah that's good we we can jump to the the technically the first album sunsets and crashes yeah (laughs) i mean yeah so i mean that one was my first establishing of really like I went in with a purpose like um, as to not necessarily, well, some of them like there's a, a bunch of like flubbed notes and like missed guitar notes. And like, just there's a lot of like little mistakes in sunsets and car crashes that, you know, were partly from me kind of thinking that, some of the songs were just demos um, to show the new label and then realizing like, well, we don't have time now to like go, you know, try to retrack it or whatever. Like I was just learning about the studio, you know, I wasn't uh, versed in it. So like 
I love all the little mistakes and the fuck ups and the wrong notes because it's like, it's cool, you know. Like it's it's this. I don't know. It's just. I mean, it's cringy, but I'm not gonna lie at, at points because like, I was like a kid and like didn't, you know. I just was just feeling it out. Didn't know what I was doing, and that's what came out. And it was just. Uh, it's still cool though. Like it, it's yeah. really special, special to me. I I think. One song, if I had to pick off that one, um, I don't know, man, because like I don't like it all depends. Like if we're talking, there's a certain like connotation I have towards the song All Hail the Heartbreaker because it's one of the uh, more um, interactive live songs that we play. And the crowd like there's this part where I don't sing this whole like part of the bridge and like it's so. They, and like the crowd always sings it and it's so like uh, make it like moves you it's like because you're in it and you're just these people are singing this like shitty song from 15 years ago you know what i mean oh, that's like, awesome yeah it's so cool and so you know i'd lean towards that for like a live reason but i'd maybe lean toward you know it's so hard to choose one oh um, you have more too so you <laughs> i know i'm just gonna i'm just i'm just gonna choose I'll choose one and tell, like, I'll choose one for a specific reason. So All Hail the Heartbreaker is probably the most fun to play live off that album next to The Tide, which we now do full band. So, um, yeah. Yeah, cool. That's a tough one. Yeah. So uh, the <laughs> next album here, uh, One Fell Swoop. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy, by the way, just a side note. We've been doing all these tent – the way that we kind of got back into being the spill canvas and playing with the, and having these new members in the band, uh, Landon and I getting a couple new members. We, we started by doing these 10 year anniversary tours and like, like of, of each album, of each album. And we recently did a sunsets 15 year, um, you know, and like, you know, it was, it, I mean, the response was cool and awesome and, and, people came out and, and the fans were there and it like got us thinking like, it's just, we should do this. We should try one more time to make a new album, but we can talk about that later. Um, but yeah, right, we'll, it's, we'll, we'll, we'll get there <laughs> to, 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 uh, to go through these songs. It's normally I'm, I would be a little, um, lost. Cause I forget if I don't, pl- if we don't play them a lot live or whatever, I just forget them. And like, I don't even know how to play them or how to sing it or whatever. And, and uh, but uh, every one of these, I like we brushed up on all of them, so it's like they're still fresh in my mind and with a nice. new perspective. But One Fell Swoop was the first um, album that I worked with a producer on, and the first, technically, the first full band album album um, as the lineup, like the the long time initial lineup of the Spill Canvas as a rock band. Um, the previous album, Sunsets and Car Crashes, that was just me, you know, with a bunch of friends that came in and, and laid down other instruments um, on the full band stuff. But, you know, we were on a label now. We had a budget to go record at uh, in Eudora, Kansas, with um, this producer, Ed Rose, who is like, at, I mean, still is, but um, at the time he was just such a an inspiration. He did he worked with the get up kids and reggie and the full effect and um he was just 
an incredible, incredible um, producer and such a nice guy. And, you know, we were all, we were like, uh, we were like 20, you know, and we like, they have apartments that are attached like above the studio and you're in this small town in Kansas and like, it's basically, and the Get Up Kids drummer's there because he's a studio manager, so I'm not trying not to fan out every day. <laughs> like, every day I come in, and it just was so cool that we got to do that, and we, like, worked with Ed Rose, like, in, and lived there at uh, it was uh, Black Lodge Studios. Um, unfortunately, I think it's it's been sold years ago, but, um, and, yeah, what came out was was uh one fell swoop and that was the first i have very fond memories of that um that album because it just like it was what i wanted the band to be you know like i love writing songs on my acoustic and doing the whole thing but, but like the dynamics of a singer songwriter only go so far in my mind i want to like i want like the loud like and I want the groovy and I want the like thump and then I want the totally quiet, you know, like I, I crave that as a music like fiend, you know? So it was cool to get to do that. And I mean, it was a trip, a real studio, a real producer telling us, you know, what we should do to make the song better, how to do this better. And I would say a song off that album, um, man there's so many important songs off that one you know uh damn dude <laughs> i mean i think like i mean the single off that record is was staple gun and we we ended up shooting three different music videos for that song for some really re- <laughs> for some reason i don't know why would you have like a live version and then two like no no just they three were, actual like there was like, like, films, like <laughs> it was like no this song we didn't do it right like let's do it again and were they like all different or were they all they the were, same thing just filmed differently like i don't they were all different wow. and it just was uh, oh my god dude and we we ended up well i guess we did two and then when we got signed to warner uh later down the line our first EP with them was a um, they they wanted to do a Staple Gun remix by this um, legendary mixer Chris Lord Alge, and so they're like, we need a video for this song, <laughs> and I was like, you guys realize that's this will be the third <laughs> video for Staple Gun, that's funny. and yeah, so I mean. They all suck too. Like they're all the, they're all. I mean, I mean, no. Like the people that worked on them and everything, like right, love yeah. love them to death, and like could not thank them more for putting in time on this like band at the you know doing. I mean, they were just so nice, but I just I just think they were they're always so cheesy, you know. Like, but I mean, I didn't care because it was just so cool to do it, but. I would say Staple Gun is probably the most, um, I guess, like prominent as far as like meaning and uh, I guess popularity on that record. But my personal favorite might be like Lust of Lust of uh, the first track or Polygraph right now. The the song where I say horror. <laughs> <laughs> 
um <laughs> so <laughs> the uh the next album here no really i'm fine no really i'm fine as dude i found some old photos from i had an old nikon d40 camera and uh i was trying to like be a photographer it didn't work out uh, i i ended up losing the camera <laughs> um i i found all these photos from the no really i'm fine session and this was so we got after one fell swoop came out we got signed to um we got approached by a, a new manager um her name was missy worth and she was incredible she was amazing she got us um kind of whipped us into shape and got us signed to um warner brothers um uh sire the the it was a division of warner brothers which which has become reprise i believe which i think might even be gone as well um but we got signed and so there was a budget for a big record and we had a big record as in like big production and like um you know a like a big high level producer some crazy studio so we ended up talking with a few uh producers um and we ended up really wanting to go with and vibing with neil avron who is an incredible i mean he's unbelievable and taught me so much um he did like everclear the first wallflowers record he did um all like the first like chunk of all the fallout boy stuff and all newfound glory stuff yellow card um he just has this like incredible ear for just like making shit sound amazing and getting the best out of you you know mm -hmm. and so we didn't know if he would want to choose us um we were just this kind of new band you know that had this budget and, and he was like yeah okay and after after a, a couple meetings he was like let's do it so we got to go to we got to go to la and record at the this legendary um sunset sound um which like was where jim morrison got the blowjob in the vocal booth <laughs> which which is the first thing that they showed me when i got there <laughs> which i was like cool that's crazy um you cleaned it right yeah <laughs> i was like right here huh wow standing right in it that's great <laughs> that's great i mean it, it's so it's so cool i mean it's yeah. it's just it's right off sunset just this little place and you walk in and then you're like you walk in and, and they have i mean the lot i mean it's just like state-of-the-art studio i've never seen anything like it you know and that was such a trip. I mean, every day was like butterflies and had chills because we were just making such awesome shit. And I, I was so, I remember being so proud of that record when it came out because like they were all like very painstakingly sorted through um, ideas that we collectively had come up with and they were all lyrics that i like worked extremely hard on like like other guys would like help me if i'm like hey what do you think about this line or something but they just it's just kind of the lyrics you know just the one typically i guess like it's just the one guy you know that'll mm. that'll do it and that's the way we kind of molded into and so 
and I realized I wasn't that great at guitar. So I had to get good at like the lyrics and stuff, you know, and, and I was like, I can do this. And, and I felt like I reached a, a like turned a page when we recorded No Really I'm Fine. And, you know, listening back, I mean, I don't, I don't know how to give an example of that. I just personally, I felt like I was, I just, I was so proud of that record as far as lyrical content and, and, and music and everything. And yeah, man, we just, we had, I don't even know what song I would say of that. Like we had uh, this composer, David Campbell, he composes strings and Neil was like, Hey, we have David Campbell coming in with a, like a string quartet um, to do uh, strings on, appreciation and the bomb and lullaby and i was like oh cool that's today um who is david campbell again he's like oh just look him up and then i was like okay and so i looked him up and like his had these credits for like like everything like literally everything like i i mean there was like celine dion to faith hill to jimmy world like it was like it was and so he's beck's dad he looks you know beck yeah and he looks just like an older Beck. It's like, it was crazy. So he came in and the, like, he just had his handwritten, like, sheet music. He had been listening to the songs for a couple days and had some great ideas. And, like, I sat in the control room, like, and, like, I was, I wasn't the only one. The other guys, too, were like, there was like teary moments, you know what I mean? Like, cause That's it awesome, was like, yeah. it was like this guy. And this, and he's just coming up with this and these players and they're just like nailing it. Like they did maybe three takes and it was like unbelievable. It was like perfect, but they were just like, you know, going on the fly. And like, it was just so interesting and so incredibly like, I mean, it felt so special to be able to like, these people are like adding and making making this this whole new dimension like come to life on some shitty song i wrote my in my bedroom like it just it did never got i never got over that like yeah you know like i just never could get past that it's yeah that's awesome it's like uh that's fucking cool dude i think maybe coming from living in south dakota like we all kind of had that mindset of like whatever is gonna happen like is so cool because we live and grew up in south dakota so like there's not like (laughs) you know it's like maybe a certain mentality and a certain like there's not much going on here so anything that is happening right now is pretty cool (laughs) um so yeah like uh that song i I, that record no i'm fine i couldn't i would maybe say once like just memory like one, one of so many I came in and it was vocals. We were doing vocals in the morning and then like doing Dan's lead lead parts later in the evening. And I was kind of having a rough go at it. And I was like having to take a lot of passes at like the last couple of days. And I was drinking like a lot of tea and my, my throat was getting sore and I was kind of fatiguing. And I was like, shit, I don't want to crumble in front of Neil, like, and all these people and all this stuff. And they, there's all this money put into this. And, like, I'm just going to crumble. Like, I can't just sing and do it good. And I came in and we did this. He pulled up this song, Hush, Hush. And 
I mean, it was, it, I don't know how many, there's maybe like, you know, a lot of doubles and things like that of, of vocal takes, but I nailed like a full, and I don't want to say that, that sounds cocky. Um, I did, I did so much better than I ever have ever in the history of recording music um, on just a one, just like warm up pass through of the whole song. And like, it was, it just felt like so cool to like have brought it, you know, like mm-hmm. nowadays I get, you know, I get help just like everyone else does from fucking pro tools and like all the software that makes it, you know, like, right. Yeah. I mean, it's, you can get it perfect and it's hard not to fall into that stuff. And so like, it was just so cool to, to have felt like I, I came for it. And Neil, I remember Neil saying, Holy shit. And I was like, what was that? Was that, Oh, how is that? You know, <laughs> is that like, bad? Is that, is that good? Cause, cause like he had been kind of saying like, I don't know what's going on. Like he was, he's just so good at teaching. Um, and he wasn't like rude, but he was just like, so matter of fact. And like, this is the goal. This is what you should do. Like he just taught me so much about the structure of songs and how to go about making the best out of what you have as a skill set, And like, he just he he's one of my personal heroes. I mean, I fucking love that guy. Um, Favorite song off of that album? Fuck. <laughs> uh, that one. I know. I favorite song. Oh, that's so tough. Favorite song to listen to would be like a song like "Low Fidelity" because we had these um, horn players come in who played the same like four dudes. This guy, Jerry Hay, this trumpet player, he leads this little troupe. And these are like old men at this point. And they played on like Thriller and like Toto, like Toto albums and shit. And they came in and just wrote this horn part over this song, Low Fidelity. And like, I mean, I never thought of like having horns on a spell chemist, you know, song. Mm -hmm. But Neil was like, I really think it would be cool here. And the right vibe and like this guy's legit and i was like this was it was amazing it's so fun to listen to because it's just a little outside of like what we norm it's it's not just um you know a a rock band it's like this evolved kind of thing so i don't know that one maybe or uh, reckless abandonment the first song is is one of my favorite songs that we've played because it's not a love song and um that is refreshing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the next one here, I'm saying, it, it, is it is formalities an, an album or is it two EPs kind of put together? Or is it something just to keep yeah. fans waiting for more? <laughs> oh God. I mean, I'm gonna be honest with you. I I don't think it. I mean, I have very sour feelings. I mean, not sour. I'm over it. But I mean, I, I would be, I'll be honest with how uh, things went after that. Uh, format so it, it went like this we were i was under the impression we were going to be releasing um two eps which would lead up to a full length mm-hmm. and um unfortunately you know we went they gave us a year off we toured heavily on no really i'm fine success of all over you was was amazing and and I mean, it was just awesome and we wrote took a year off and learned how to record in our basements, which is 
way worse than how you can do it today. Um, this was 2009, uh, no, 2000, yeah, 2008, 2009. We wrote like 20 songs and like they said no to like all but two. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like you guys didn't have anything to say when we did No Really I'm Fine, you know, like you said, sure, go with all of them and turned out pretty good, you know? Mm-hmm. We we this you know we did good for you like, and but they, I mean rightfully so. I mean, it was a business move. They wanted to like get their hands in there and like, oh I didn't know you guys could like write these well performing songs you know like, and they wanted to change it and so they said no to all these songs. They said Nick you should go to L A and re- co write with some co writers. I was like what are you talking about dude. Like that sounds fun, but like that's not going to be the spill canvas. Like, right? That's us. Uh, you know, spill canvas is me like coming up with this little structure or an idea, or any of the other guys having a little jammy idea, and then we jam it out for like three hours. You know, mm-hmm. and that that's not how you write. You know, with a co-writer. So, um, I went to LA. I did a f- several trips there. Uh, I wasn't all there, so to speak. I, I kind of had given up and I was really mad and like bitter and was like, whatever, I'm just going to go into this and try to enjoy like writing with some of these amazing songwriters. But, you know, I was all out of songs to write. I thought we had written them already. And, uh, so what came out was reality, uh, abnormalities, mm-hmm. the EP, um, then realities came out. Uh, and then formalities was the full length, which unfortunately, because they didn't like or say yes to all but two of the 20 demos and songs that we had written, we had to just basically compile formalities of those essentially, essentially those two EPs, which yep. was very clever because it got us, uh, it got us to complete our contractual obligation to them as far as releases, but it was like such a dude. I mean, I, that was when I, I mean, just to be frank, I'm very, I'm very open about it. I apologize, but that's when I like oh. started, I started like heavily getting into pills and stuff. And I was like, you know, it was just this stereotypical, like, you know, poor, you know, musician, like, you know, doesn't have his way. So he's going to be a drug addict. Like, of course, of course he is like so obvious, <laughs> but you know, it's still, it had happened, you know, and needless to say, I damn if I didn't get, and still am, am getting, um, uh, good songs out of that, uh, just that moment. Um, and, and how everything started to fall apart. So yeah, we released those albums and then we left Warner Brothers and I had a pretty big problem on my hands. So we took a hiatus and then I'm sure you're going to, I won't get, yeah, I won't dive into it too much because I'll, I'll get off on that tangent. <laughs> um, so after formality, we don't have to pick a favorite song there. If, um, Oh, there's um, had a bunch that were cut out. I mean, Oh, there, there's the, the, the two that got through on the EP and formalities, uh, the EPs was good graces, bad influence. That one was on Abnormalities, I believe. And then The Bone, the song The Bone on Formalities. And that one is like 
oh, I love that song. It's so cool and like so fucking out there and weird and like it just slaps. It's so fun. But I, I'm happy that that one got on there. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, next, uh, last album you guys put out, um, Gestalt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Gestalt was basically the culmination of all those demos that they did not like. Oh, really? Um, with the exception of a couple new ones, but, um, <clears throat> yeah, it's primarily, um, that was the album or at least a, a good portion of it was the album that we were intending to put out, you know, and like I, as so a gestalt is what formalities for you guys would have been would have been yes right. and we we did that independently um after i went to rehab and and got uh a little clearer um obviously you know i mean not many people go to one rehab and get it all figured out <laughs> right. so i you know i went through my moments of of multiple visits but after the first rehab i had uh you know some clarity and like wanted to wanted to put out the album we wanted like an integrity album you know like and i was talking to the guys and i was like can we just do this do we'll do a kickstarter that's a big thing now kickstarter just came along and we'll crowdfund it and we'll go to mike dresch our local engineer and we'll get a month with him and we'll just fucking bust out what we know we want to do and we can put it out ourselves and maybe play a few shows we played four shows around the area because the guys uh, were the two, the drummer and guitar player were kind of wanting to be done and start families and stuff. And I was the bass player landed in myself for like wanted to keep going. So, but yeah, so we put it out though. And I, I to, I mean, other than the newest record, which is just sitting and I mean, it's, it's gotta be a uh, mastered and, and, uh, few little mixing things done but it's it's been done for like a year <laughs> nice. but uh other than that album i mean gestalt is I, I have a hard time being like proud because i have this like imposter syndrome and like don't think i belong here or should be able you know what i mean like just that like woe is me like fucking get over i just can't accept that people connect with the music you know in any way and so it's hard for me to like say i'm proud without feeling like a total cock and um <laughs> but I, I i really am man I'm, I'm so proud of of gestalt and i still to this day like if i go back and listen like we and we never toured it we never did anything with it but there's some songs on there i mean I love every song, honestly, but there's some songs that are like, I just can't, I don't think I'll ever be able to write those again, but I, I came close. It's a, a different feeling on this new album. Um, Cause there's new members. So mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. Um, can, um, can, can you give us any, any insider information on this new album? Or? Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. Um, so new album. I mean, I don't want to, quite reveal the title i suppose yet um because it's mm -hmm. just so we completed it in uh, we we self-funded it um our manager got us uh, our new manager um got us this deal at this amazing studio with the guy who owns it lives right next to it and then um he gave us this incredible deal it's like an hour hour and a half outside of uh, 
New York City, but it's like it's in like Easton. It's near Easton, PA, mm-hmm. and like it's in the woods, like out there. And so he's like, "We got this much money. We we can." And we like being the new band that we are with two new members. I live in Orlando. Uh, our guitar, new guitar player, uh, he lives in St. Augustine, Florida, which is like an hour and a half away. Our drummer, our new drummer, still lives in uh, Sioux Falls. And then our bassist, who has been with me for forever, lives in Wisconsin. So there's no way for us to write music together, you know? And like, uh, we got up there to. PA in this in like this woods woodsy studio and we just we had this limited amount of time and we just did these marathon sessions of writing and just playing jamming the pups yeah sorry <laughs> no you're good you're good I love it um we just jammed and like what came out was I mean I'm proud of it, it there it was in the winter so it was March and April like uh, I, I I went back to finish vocals but it was there's like a tension there it was kind of like closed quarters we couldn't like it was like snowy and freezing and like we were under the gun we couldn't find any labels that were interested without hearing demos and we couldn't do demos if we didn't get together and write so we were like let's just write a record and try to do it ourselves and then try to shop that around um we've been trying to do that and people a lot of people are, are have been awesome and not quite as responsive as we'd hoped because they're just not sure because about you know because we're like an we're like a what do they like an old uh, I don't know if they call what they call it like a throwback kind of band I guess like a, like a nostalgic nostalgic type. yeah especially with all the the anniversary yeah, but that's, tours that's like what's in now though I mean, it's people, what's in yeah bands and do I, all these tours and stuff that's that's that shit sells i know and like i just believe in the the new music and i know like if i want to go see my favorite band a lot of my favorite bands i'm not gonna lie like their last most recent like couple albums are like so-so you know yeah And, and that's my favorite bands but and like if i went to see them i would be like all right you're gonna play your new stuff and like that's okay which so i get it and I, I understand, but I really believe that these are songs that they, you know, that fans and new new fans alike could could enjoy. There's such a wide variety of styles of music on on it, and you know, it's just I just have I've been listening to it for a year, dude. <laughs> I have no idea at this point if it's like good, but I know it doesn't suck, <laughs> dude. Oh yeah, so that that brings me to this one i did want to plug this thing uh so i you know with the whole new like home studio setup i'm trying to get used to and and record and write um i was like writing this song and just you know program drums and like synth and and stuff and record vocals and i just ended up writing this song about being in quarantine which i was like I saw like Ben Gibbard from Death Cab do. I saw you know some other people have done a couple of, the, of those and mm-hmm. I, like Twenty One Pilots. I saw did one. I was like, that's crazy how they're you know. And and so I was like, why? Wow. I mean, I did, I did it, and it was just like a snapshot of, I mean, lyrically of where 
I was, and it's this really dreamy islandy uh, feel. The song is called Mercy, and we ended up deciding to uh, release it on Bandcamp uh, under the Spill Canvas Bandcamp, which um, we're going to release on Friday. Awesome. Um, and it'll be we're going to donate a hundred percent of the proceeds to all the proceeds to this. Um, the Music Cares COVID Relief Fund because they Music Cares is this organization that like helps our uh, people in the music industry like when like after things fall out I guess which is something that I personally know quite well and like they helped me so much with um, not only just financial aid but like just with your mental health and like addictions like there's it's an amazing organization and so i figured the song is was cool and like came out really cool i got our our uh, pseudo fifth member jeff black to do some slide guitar and like ambient stuff in it um and i got our buddy nate to mix it and i just i can't wait for it to to get out there and you know unfortunately i can't it's taking a while to it'll be like a month before it's up on other streaming services but mm-hmm. the point isn't really to do that because then it's hard to deduce where the income goes to donate right, to yeah. so in Bandcamp, it's very easy to just see and to be able to donate and uh, the fans and people buying it can pay anything they want over a dollar they can donate towards it and I, I state that on the Bandcamp page. I'm so stoked for people to hear it. It's uh, it's technically, I guess it's we're calling it a Bill Cameron song, but it's I'm just so proud of it. It's awesome. It's um, it feels nice. I wish it was the new album, but it, um, you know, I, I I want it to. I mean, it just like is about trying to give back in, in any way that I could. Um, and this is really all I do well, and I barely do that because so <laughs> well, we're definitely yeah. looking forward to that on friday and then the new album the show is called for the berg though uh we're based out of pittsburgh pa here do you yeah. have any um like favorite venues or cool show memories or any places you guys would you'd like to go out hang out or eat or anything like that while on tour in pittsburgh dude is pittsburgh mr smalls yep oh my god <laughs> <laughs> like so many memories of that old church man that was like a that was like a home to me. Now we play at the Rex mm-hmm. when we come through Rex Theater, yeah. The Rex Theater, yeah. But I miss Mr. Smalls, dude. <laughs> I mean, oh, that play. We had some amazing shows there back in the day, and so many of them too. So many very um, salacious things that went on in all of those back room i'm just i'm just saying not me not me just all of the <laughs> all of the tour touring people i mean so many hilarious stories that i will not share um but it's just that's a fond memory place um for me honestly that's like what pittsburgh has been defined by for me is, is that's mr. what you think about a small yeah, yeah mr smalls and the people i've met there and the, the just everything there you know cool do you would you happen to know what the uh, term jag off means Jagoff is like that sounds pretty. Pittsburgh. It's a it's a it's a Pittsburgh term for like yeah. a, like a dickhead and asshole like a or whatever. Dickhead. I've been yeah. I've, I've been asking every every guy I've done okay. this. Like, half gave me answers, the other half didn't. Totally up to you. Right. Um, 
is just from being you know famous being in a, a bigger band and you're you're touring all around the country and stuff uh, i'm sure you've met a lot of people is there anybody yeah. that you were really excited to meet a, a famous person that just ended up being a jag off <laughs> uh, that's so good oh my god um I've gotten, I've gotten mixed reactions on this one but i'm gonna ask it every show <laughs> yeah dude that's a good question the, the fact you're getting mixed reactions that means you're on to the right path um because you know you have to be able to have conversations about things and you know be real on a podcast so uh gosh you know man i don't i'm trying to think i'm trying to go through like every person i'm i'm thinking like to like all these like i'm thinking to like the goo goo dolls and like that we toured with them and switched for it and like those they were like some of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. Nice. Um, gosh, one republic, right? Like one republic. Those guys were like couldn't. I could not believe how nice they were. For, um, gosh, man, that's weird. Mm-hmm. I'm trying. I mean, there's been. I know there's been bands where I've just been like. I mean, it's 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 just. It doesn't have to be a band member, and it could be just another famous person. Like Eddie Reyes gave me uh, Levar Burton from Reading Rainbow, and uh, oh really? And, and like, and, and Anthony Green said um, Andrew Dice Clay. Like it didn't have doesn't have to be <laughs> someone you've, you've toured with. It could it be did. anybody. Just <laughs> I know I was trying to think of that too, but I've only like all the interactions I've had with like with any celebrities like were very brief and very like nice and like sweet. Like, one we saw we saw Topanga once from Boy Meets World. Mm-hmm. Remember, remember Topanga? Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, she. Oh my God, she looked <laughs> so good. It was ridiculous. When we all stopped, she came in and like we all stopped and like just looked over at her, and she like she kind of smiled. It was like hello, and like we were like sorry, sorry. <laughs> but no, like that was. I mean. They were all just like that, like just, you know, me or the guys or whoever I was with, like fawning over, you know, mm-hmm. some some person. Not fawning, but just like being like, whoa, you're like a celebrity. Um, I mean, I'm sure he's really nice. Uh, and I don't, I don't want to say anything bad, but like. He's not going to see this. You're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, it just, I remember we did this. I mean, it's this is an artist, but we did this tour for mtvu and it was uh, uh the bill was crazy it was us um all-time low cobra starship and flow rider and wyclef jean and wyclef was headlining obviously i mean it was just so weird we were playing on college campuses i mean it was just so bizarre um but he his band was so nice and so good his band was fucking phenomenal and but Wyclef would just literally like there'd be this be like the show's ready to go, the lights down, and like he's not around, like and he, he just pulls up in this SUV. It's always just like pulls up in this SUV. I've saw it up, you know, several times, maybe not always, but and just like you know, we'll hop out and like get up there and just and do his thing, and like that's cool, I, that's fine. One of the times though, I was just like. I must, I guess I was like in the way, uh, uh, like walking the wrong way, like backstage, like, and then he was trying to get to stage. He's like, and he, it was like a bar. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry, man. And 
you know, like I was like, oh, so sorry. It was like kind of dark. And he's like, get the fuck out the way. And I was like, <laughs> you I was pissed like, off Wyclef Jean? <laughs> and I was like, dude, oh, you just like, I've, I've been like hoping that just because you don't hang out in any way, which just, you don't ha have to, to be cool. Like, I get it. If you're that enormously famous, like you're not hanging out with some shitty, you know, but he's not even like hanging out with his band or anything. Right. Like, yeah. Not cool. It, it's just like, dude, dude. I don't know. That no. that sucks. I mean, that's that's, a, good, that's good. as close to a jag off as possible. That's a good answer though, for sure. Um, so we can wrap it up here, buddy. I have, I do have one fan question though that I did want to ask. Sure. Um, do you have any like weird or, or or anybody in the band have any weird like superstitious pre-show rituals or anything like that? Uh, we do have a we do a huddle. Uh, we did it before when we had their original two members and we do it now with the two new members it's it's not so much uh i mean it would be like our own version of a prayer but we don't really um you know maybe sometimes like we've gotten a little serious but it's always pretty much like really ridiculous shit is being said in the like final moments before we have to hit stage and like mm -hmm. stuff that's like we, we just try to like Okay, who are we? we put our hands in our uh, we put our right hand in our right our right fist in and our right uh, our right uh, foot all touching in the center, and we all like look around and we're like, who are we doing this one for? And whoever like can say like the most you know outrageous like sometimes like very offensive. <laughs> Give um, some of those names. Come I on. mean, <laughs> no, like it'll it would it could depend on like what happened that day or like you know <sighs> like this one uh, one day I I had to take steroids for my uh, my throat. I had like was almost not able to sing and steroids helped and I was roid raging and I said I got <laughs> I like seriously had roid rage. It was ridiculous and I. I snapped at this. I never do that. And I snapped at this lady in the gas station who was mopping and like got mop water on my shoot. Like it was so stupid, but I was like, I felt so dumb because I was roiding out so hard. I mean, and, and so like that night, the show that night was like, I said some very awful things to this woman that I will not repeat because I was right raging. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and I'm not proud of it, but it like, they'd be like, let's do this show for blah, blah, blah. And I won't, I can't even say the words like, cause it'll, you know, it'll just too much. So it's like whoever can say the most outrageous thing, it's a huddle to kind of get us on the same page of like humor mm -hmm. and like, and lightheartedness to cut through that tension of like, eh, don't fuck up. Like, here we go. You know? So that's about it. Also, I used to, I used to, um, I used to think that I couldn't have a good show unless I jerked off right before. And I don't mean to be crass. No, that, that's you're, you're good. <laughs> um, that's, that's a good pre-show ritual. That's, <laughs> I mean, let's be real. It's a very healthy function. Um, sure. Yeah. It, it's a, it's a necessary thing, but yeah. And, and then one time, is a few years ago i i did i i did have one of the worst shows ever and i was like well i guess i'm not 
superstitiously jerking off anymore. anymore. Yeah, cause, well, it's also weird as fuck because you're like, <laughs> you're in a like sometimes it's just a weird venue, like a, some dingy like club or something with sticky floors and like. That, then that's probably why the floors are sticky. But you know what other, I mean? Other, other guys think the same as you. So you've and jerked like, off Mr. Smalls before. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, for sure. Uh, I mean, that's I mean, many other things too. That's I, hilarious. I, that's so funny, dude. Uh, all right, man. I, I do appreciate your time, man. Thank you. Um, dude, thank you, check man. Yeah, the, uh, the Spill Canvas podcast called Part of the Hive, right? Is that, that that's what yes? It's called. It is we'll called check, Part of the Hive. Check that out, hosted by the Spill Canvas and the uh, the new single. Gonna gonna come out here on Friday, April twenty fourth. Yes, on Bandcamp. It's called Mercy, and uh, the proceeds are going to the Music Cares COVID Relief Fund. Um, but yeah, please go check that out. Uh, we'll we'll be posting about it on our socials and everything. Uh, we'll keep up to date on the podcast episodes. We're doing another one tonight, so um, now that we kind of got our thing approved, um, we'll be slamming them out. Awesome. And yeah, I guess just. Wait, wait for the new record too. I'm not sure when that's gonna come out, but definitely looking forward to that. Yeah, awesome, buddy. Thank you. I appreciate it, dude. Thank you so much, man. Nope. You can't tell me that that's not the best pre-show ritual of all time. If any of my next guests think they have that one beat, I will be asking that question every show. Thank you, guys. (laughs) 